This episode of The Real Podcast is sponsored by Blackjack Contract. Blackjack Contracting is a team of skilled trades that helps investors across the greater Golden Horseshoe with medium to large size renovation projects. Not only are they fast and friendly, but their specialty is in creating legal basement suites that helps you, the investors, create higher rental premiums. They are an integral part of my dream team, and I highly encourage you to check them out. Hello and welcome. You're in the Real Estate Investors Lounge. So grab a seat and get comfortable as we dive into the strategies, the mindsets, and the motivations of some of the brightest entrepreneurs in the real estate investment world. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Real Estate Investors Lounge podcast. Here's your host, Brian Fitzgerald. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real Estate Investors Lounge. My name is Brian Fitzgerald. And on this episode, we are sitting down with the one and only Sarah Larby. Uh, where can I start? I think the first time I saw Sarah was back at the Investor Forum in, was that 2017, Sarah? Yes, it was. 2017, okay. And what I liked about you was the simplicity of your investing career. Not only were you younger than most investors, which I could easily relate to, but it seemed like you were operating on the basics. Does this house make sense? If yes, buy it. If not keep moving along. And actually what I really liked, which is always what I really like with investors, you basically just threw up a bunch of your properties and you just did the number breakdown, which was fantastic. Anyways, you're just keeping it simple and that's what I like about it. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but more as a compliment. I too am a firm believer. Good. I like it. I'm a firm believer in the buy and hold strategy and see the big picture. And Sarah, you can tell, has a, a long-term vision. Since seeing her speak in 2017, she has not only expanded her portfolio, but she's dabbled in a couple other strategies. And if social media is telling me the truth, then she is on her way to potentially owning a sixplex. We'll talk about that shortly. For those of you that know Sarah, she puts a lot of focus in Brantford, but I'm hoping we could dig a little deeper on the investing path of Sarah Larby. So let's get to it. Sarah, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us in the lounge. How are things going over there? going awesome. Brian, thanks for having me on the show. And that was a, a wonderful introduction. <laughs> thanks. I'm finally, cool. I can take a breath. I can t- finally take a breath. So Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I'm super excited. And, uh, you know, it's funny because a few minutes ago, you were on my show and I interviewed you and the tables were turned. And, but you know what? We have very similar strategies. And also, ironically, we both have cottages that we purchased recently and are uh, renting that out to cover costs. Yes. <laughs> We like to think we kind of have our, our shit together a little bit, maybe. Who knows? And, <laughs> Who knows, and when right? we think we do, then everything comes unraveled. But I think we're both on the right path. So, so Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe something that listeners might not know about you. Sure. So a little bit about me. Investing-wise, I started in 2013. And you know, at this point in time, I've got nine properties, had 10, just sold one, actively looking for that next acquisition. And uh, started out as a, a buy and hold investor and over time started the Burr strategy just because it was getting a little bit harder to find the deals that I wanted. And now I'm looking into acquiring something a little bit bigger. The last purchase I bought was just this past May in Hamilton. It was a, a triplex that we are converting because it was never legalized. And like you mentioned, the sixplex. Unfortunately, with the sixplex, when we did the inspection, there's about a hundred grand of foundation work <laughs> that needed to, oh, to be to be uh, fixed, and we found that the attic never had any separation between all the six units, and they were townhouses, and that actually is a li- like huge liability and 
Unfortunately, the sellers weren't willing to uh, to budge on the price, and it just didn't make sense. So we let it go, and uh, you know we're looking for something like a little bit bigger, like a multifamily. It just has to make sense, and you know I'm not really interested in uh, foundation work of 100k plus. So. That's fair. I feel like that's a pretty reasonable. <laughs> yeah, request. but you know what? It's about so getting the, in the, under contract, and then you have the upper hand at that point in time to be able to decide exactly. what you want to do with it. Exactly. Yeah. Now you're saying sixplex and then you said townhouses. Are we still talking about the same? Is this six townhouses? Side yeah, by, side, exactly. By, side That's by side. why I actually really, really liked it because of the fact that it was six townhouses. Utilities were, I mean, it was considered a sixplex, but utilities were all separated. Everyone had their own backyard, their own front yard, <laughs> did their own yard work. But there were some good things I liked about it. Unfortunately, you know, there were more bad things that didn't make it possible to proceed. Right. Is that a joint venture or was a joint venture? No, believe it or not, we can still qualify <laughs> for our own. Holy jeez. Yeah. Who's your guy or girl and what is it? <laughs> Dahlia Barthoum, actually. She's been amazing. Awesome. Yes. You know, I, and I think I think there's definitely different strategies, but that was one of the biggest mistakes that we made in the beginning is that we went straight to the bank instead of the mortgage broker and we had to untangle the mess. But mortgage brokers that are right. investors and that work with investors actually know how to scale properly and they'll help you with what lenders to go to first so that you can extend your ability to get mortgages with the best lenders start. So definitely yeah. work with a mortgage broker 100%. to start if you can. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I tell all my clients that even people who aren't investing now, but say, oh, maybe down the road a little bit. Okay, this is, do not go to the bank. <laughs> if you're thinking about investing or, you, you know, anyways, we'll get on to that. <laughs> yeah. So obviously you're an investor, but tell us how your life of investing actually got started. What was that moment, like when you decided that that real estate was the path for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't have a whole lot when I first started working. I wasn't even really into real estate investing probably until two years before we bought our first our first investment property. So I would say that was probably 2011. And we had gone to the bank and we had been working for a few years by then and had like no assets, literally nothing. And we were, you know, paycheck to paycheck. We didn't really understand how to utilize money to, to make money. And, you know, we sat down with a financial person there and they analyzed our finances and they're like, what do you have in terms of assets and liabilities? And I'm like, man, you know, I don't make that. I don't make that much money, but like I should have something to show for all of the 40, 50, 60 hours a week plus that I spend every single week at work. So I went home that weekend and I Googled how to get rich or how do people get wealthy? And like, I know it sounds crazy, but like that actually was what I did for the first little while on Saturdays when I had some time. I'm like researching online how people create wealth in their lives and retire early and you know, just became really intrigued by that. And uh, real estate kept coming back as the, you know, very common answer when I was searching that, as did starting a business and as did potentially stocks and mutual funds, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, for whatever reason, real estate just seemed more legit to me. (laughs) And so that is what I focused on and uh, started listening to some podcasts. Started talking to my boyfriend about how we were going to buy a property. And uh, two years later, we decided to buy something. Awesome. So to give us a bit of a timeline, how old were you then and when was then? Well, I guess I shouldn't really say how old I am, but <laughs> it's probably all over <laughs> all over the internet anyways. Uh, so right now I am 35 and this was in uh, 2013. And so I started getting interested in 2011. You guys can do the math. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty good. I'll let I'll let the listeners <laughs> do the math. So tell us about that first deal and what it looked like. Yeah, so we decided to 
save for the first property. Obviously, I had a second job that I took on on the weekends to be able to make enough money to, you know, save and also, you know, live. And so the first one, because my my boyfriend's a police officer, he never really actually was keen on real estate, mostly because of the tenants and the, the fear of having to go to the board or the fear of having a tenant that trashes the place or, you know, any of that stuff. And so we started with his sister. She was our, our first candidate. <laughs> and uh, and so right. we ended up figuring out what her budget was. And then we went house shopping together, found a house they both liked and we liked. And it was literally the cheapest house we could find. The cheapest. It was $129,000 back in 2013 in Brantford. House from the 1850, uh, 1850s. And somehow it's still standing. <laughs> So you actually opted for your first deal was a like a tenant first. A tenant first. Kind of property. Absolutely. And you okay, know, we did cool. that for the first four. So the second, yeah, oh, wow. it was easier back then. I don't think I could do it now because the tenant first, you're still competing with so many investors at this point in time to find the houses. But back then it was a little bit easier. So we ended up picking our tenants in their second house. We found our tenants on Kijiji and I replied to an ad that was saying, you know, growing family, looking for something a little bit bigger. And, you know, this girl, Jess and I, we really connected and we were talking for three months. We were like looking on MLS with properties. I knew what her budget was. I knew all about her before we even found the house, which which was actually pretty cool. And so we, um, that second property the following year, we had two that we actually really liked. And I think they were each like 179000 and they were the same price. And I'm like, I like both of them. And so we ended up calling her and I'm like, hey, can you check out these two houses? Let us know which one you like better and we'll just buy or put an offer in that one. So that's actually how we met them for the first time. They went to see these two properties and they picked the one that uh, we still have it to this day. And they're still in that house still to this day. And they are the best tenants, like amazing tenants. And we were able to give them a great opportunity to be able to have a house of their dreams. And I mean, for us, it was 179 grand. And, you know, back then they were paying 1300. Like it still worked. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's funny too. Cause you'd mentioned that your first property was 129,000. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you on, on your podcast that my was 132. So we're, you obviously got the better deal. <laughs> we have similar starts in a way, you know, <laughs> It's true. It's true. What's also funny is, um, so my wife is from Brantford and uh, her brother still lives there. And he's been saying to me, well, actually probably about three or four years ago, he's like, you got to buy in Brantford. I'm like, I don't know. I never heard of Brantford until I met, you know, my wife. But now I'm like, oh, I I don't want to tell him. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this episode, (laughs) but he's right. He was right. I should have bought in Brantford maybe like three, four years ago. And I'd I'd be in an even better position now. So. I, I still think but, it's a good opportunity. I, I'm still, you know, now I'm looking at something a little bit bigger, but I'm still bringing students and coaching students of mine into Brantford. I still think it's a good opportunity because of the fact that Hamilton is growing the way that it is, because of the fact that Laurier University, the campus and everything is growing the way that it is. And it's just the vacancy is so low. There's such high demand, such low supply. Like, I still think it's a great opportunity and close to the highway. Regardless, there's the train tracks, like, you know, the GO train is not there yet. It might be a long time before it does, but the VIA train goes there. Right. Like, the bus routes increase to Hamilton, et cetera. Like, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So in 2008, it was voted by MoneySense.ca as the best place to invest. And you were already there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm still there. And I still think there's opportunity. It's Good definitely getting harder. <laughs> you know, you're not yeah. finding a yeah. turnkey at 179 anymore, but I think there's still, it's still, it's still time. There's still time. In 10 years from now, you're going to look back at today's price and you're going to say, wow, I wish I did something today or, you know, even next year. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And you were talking about if the GO train ends up in Brantford, 
And I know there's a lot of external factors for investors that I work with and that you probably work with. They look at, you know, certain industry, what's going on in that city that makes me want to buy there. But as we were talking earlier, Sarah, you know, I'm a simple guy, obviously now. (laughs) And I feel like the affordability just for people wanting to get a house, it's just a ripple effect out of Toronto that's gone right through Hamilton, like Hamilton just boom, it's still healthy into Brantford, you know, and then down down the QEW through St. Catharines. And now we're like looking in well into Port Colborne and the prices are climbing. People need a place to live. I'm almost a believer in the fact that if you can just find something that you can afford, you'll almost go anywhere you need to because you just want your own house, right? Absolutely. But now, too, the tenants that we're putting in are, I find for me at least, the, t- the profile I- I've been dealing with more are younger people that probably won't save for a down payment for a house, but they still want nice things. Mm -hmm. So, and you and I were talking before about how providing like a nice product allows you to charge premium rents and then you get premium tenants in there who take care of your place. Right. And I just see, I just see the future of just people renting. And I feel like who knows, 20 years down the road when you're hanging out of the cottage and I'm hanging out of the cottage and we're you know, FaceTiming each other or whatever, talking about our, our portfolios, there's going to be so many renters out there. And I feel people need to understand like why they should be investing in real estate because we're running out of land already. And what's going to happen with the housing market in 20, 30 years from now? And it's also because of the immigration, right? The immigration and people that come into the Southern, you know, horseshoe region or the region, the horseshoe, golden horseshoe is just an insane amount every single year. And that is just going to increase in the demand. It's going to decrease the supply. Like it's just, it's just like we have a huge housing issue or shortage and it's not going to be getting any better anytime soon. Like you said, I, I believe that it's going to be a nation of renters and investors. And, Mm -hmm. you know, or older people at at that point, maybe 20 years from now, 30 years from now that bought a house, you know, as in today's dollars or in today's amount, but the middle class, I think is going to shrink. Absolutely. I think it's going to be, you're going to have one side, like you said, of investors and one side of renters, and there's not going to be much in between. Yeah. So dun, 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 which side of the coin do you want to be on? That's it. Do you like that? (laughs) That's it. Intense music. That's it, right? So, <laughs> but you know, in a way, like at this point in time, like even if you go to Brantford and you go into Simcoe or you go into St. Catharines, like yeah, the cash flow is not what it used to be, but it's still it's still a little bit there, right? And I think you were on my podcast yeah. and you were saying that you bought something and the cash flow was like nine hundred bucks or or whatnot. I mean, that, <laughs> that's still pretty good. Yeah. You just bought that last year, and uh, you yeah. know, I'm still finding opportunities. They're just not as many of them as there were five years ago, but there's still, there's still opportunity. And, and I know you're a realtor, but I've got some friends that are wholesalers and they still find tons of opportunities. And I see it because I'm on their mailing list everywhere. I mean, obviously these properties need work that they're picking up, but there's still opportunities out there. Yes. Our mutual friend, Sarah, that's uh, the wholesaler. Sarah and uh, what? I was thinking of Luke Boyron. Oh yeah, him too. Actually, he's got wicked deals. Like, but they're all over the place, which is good. I have no problems with them being all over the place. Sarah's a little more local, I find. Yeah, so she's in. She's but, more Brantford, um, Hamilton. Well, Luke has employees, right? Luke has employees that yeah. that are working for him, and that can really just going into the thinking about even going into Ottawa too. So <laughs> yeah, actually, I saw him at one of the gain events. Yeah. You know, 
and he was talking about how he's just breaking into Ottawa. My brother just purchased his first investment property out that way, and I think there's really good opportunity there. It's just a little far for, I prefer to have things within arm's reach, a little far for me. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got their, their different ways of investing, and uh, actually, just I had him on my podcast yesterday, actually. So. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah, very good. Very good. Do you try and keep your properties close by? Like, would you consider investing in Ottawa if the deal made sense, even though you're going to be totally hands off or what works for you? I would invest in Thunder Bay for the right opportunity, but I'll tell you, it's not going to be a single family or a duplex, but I would buy, I would buy a 10 unit up there and get a property manager. I would buy, you know, like I would buy something bigger if it was further because I would get a property manager to to manage it and I would manage the manager. But you know, Otherwise, like I feel like there's still opportunities in Hamilton and I'm in Oakville, right? So there's still opportunities in Brantford. There's still opportunities in St. Catharines and Welland and Peterborough is an amazing place. And my cottage is 15, 20 minutes away. So I don't think I need to go into, I don't know, four, five, six plus hours away necessarily to get a deal. I can still find them fairly easily here unless I want something a little bit bigger for whatever reason. Maybe there's something amazing that's out further that I can, you know, pick up, but yeah. That's no, I opinion. agree. If the deals are still here and people seem to think the deals are running out, I'm like, no, they're everywhere. It's just you you have to be able to look for them. And we we're again, we were talking about that earlier about understanding what needs to be done in order to make that deal happen. Right? That so, and also like be be quick because there's people like me and you that will pick them up in like an hour or two and we'll throw in an offer. Like yeah. I don't go and see these properties. I just want it under contract and then I'll go figure it out, you yeah. know. And so a lot of people are, are thinking, okay, well, I have to go and like wait till the weekend and then I'm going to go check this property out because no, like I'm telling you, wait. the good ones are going to be gone and like the, the same day they're going to be gone. So yep. people that are just putting yep. in offers and like maybe it's a cash offer, maybe it's, you know, offer on inspection, et cetera. But I'll probably, and this is why like I'm a big believer in working with realtors that are local because I'll just have them go and check it out. And then, you know, because I've worked with them for so long, they, they're like, okay, yeah, this matches your criteria. Or this has this issue that wasn't mentioned. And then literally I'll just put in offers. And I've bought, and I don't recommend that people do this one necessarily on the first one, but I bought properties that yeah. I haven't seen because I've been working with, you know, people, people on my team, like my realtors that I trust. Essentially how we bought our cottage. We wouldn't have gotten it for that cost. It would have gone into multiples if we didn't put in an offer the same day it came out. Right. <laughs> yeah, you have to be aggressive. And I mean, obviously we're talking in the realm of investors here. But even my clients that are just, you know, end buyers, just one home, that's what they want. Even them in healthy markets like Hamilton or St. Catharines, and even crazy enough, Welland now, if you're interested in buying this home for yourself, do it now because the longer you wait, the more competition you're inviting in, right? Whether you're an investor or just a a one-time home buyer, like you got to act fast, unfortunately, which is unfortunate sometimes, right? Because they want to think about it. They want to look at it and... I'm not a pushy person, but I, I just say like, listen, let's just get under contract. You know, we'll have some conditions in there. It's not a done deal until we waive those conditions. Let's just get the paperwork accepted. And that's the biggest thing. And this is why for me, I wanted that six plex before I needed to see it. And there were like three other offers. So we lost it out on the first time and then somebody backed out. Uh, the person that originally bought it backed out and then we, we got it the second time and then we went to see it. <laughs> But, you know, like getting it under contract at least gives you the opportunity to figure out what you want to do. Hopefully you can negotiate it. But, you know, and I've bought stuff where I put an inspection clause and then I was able to use the inspection report to reduce the purchase price of the property. And I've done that. So like I've done that on my Hamilton property. We've reduced it by 20 grand. (laughs) 
you know, it doesn't always work, but I'm telling you that inspector, you know, he definitely like I've tenfold made my money back on everything I've bought (laughs) with paying a $450 fee or whatever his cost is, because I'm able to use it to discount this Hamilton property as an example, 20 grand. It's pretty good. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So let's get back to it. We're off on a tangent, which is totally cool, but there's another question sure. I want to grill you on. So, Sarah, what does your portfolio look like right now? You're at how many properties and, and what are those properties? Yeah, so nine properties. I just sold one, so we had 10. We, we sold one so that we can, A, have a little bit more cash to buy something bigger. But there's one property my boyfriend just didn't like, so I'm like, fine. You know, we had bought it for like 165 grand. And we sold it for 300 in about two years. Wow. <laughs> so it's then we didn't put, we didn't put in too much work. So like we just figured, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> but you know i i always prefer to refinance like burr them and refinance just to delay the taxes but it is what it is i'm sure one one here and there is not gonna make it too too bad but a lot of them are single family homes that we've burred so we've bought properties that needed renos refinanced the the equity back out or got a heloc and then put the tenants in there at higher rents the cottage which we're airbnb being that makes about in high season it makes about 500 a night a little bit different for low season, but it is the fourth season, so we rent it all year. And awesome. the triplex that I'm working on right now, converting legally in Hamilton. And literally, like, I'm looking for deals, like, so any day I could have something else under contract. I just need to, to find the right one, but not looking for anything in a particular area. You know, I, I'd like to just get something, either a small, like, three, four unit or, you know, larger multifamily type of place. Okay. And these properties that uh, you put some money into, like wh- how big are these projects like in dollars? In dollars, anywhere between 25 to 40 grand, maybe a little bit less or more depending on some of them. But the ones that we buy to actually burr, we'll put in 25 to 35 grand all in. Okay. So not like, not absorbent amounts, of, not to say that's not a little amount of money, but you know, compared to some other projects that, that you're not too bad considering your well, once you do the refinance, how much you're getting. Yeah, out of I stay away from foundation and windows and stuff that like I'll never be able to recoup my money on when I do a refi as an example. So I usually like to buy stuff right. like with go- good bones, but, you know, maybe it's got shag carpet everywhere and wallpaper and like a really old dated kitchen and bathrooms. And usually what I like to do is just like flooring and painting and lighting and kitchens and bathrooms. And then maybe, yeah, exactly. A facelift that gets the most, (laughs) the most money back out in the quickest (laughs) amount of time. A really nice facelift. (laughs) Really nice facelift. Awesome. So how did your portfolio evolve over the years? I know you said mostly single family, but now you're looking to bigger and better things. Like how did, why or how is it evolving for you? Why? Well, working with a mortgage broker, we realized that like, you don't have to leave equity in the property. I mean, we obviously leave, you know, the 20% and then we refinance as a HELOC. And so we unlock a lot of the equity. And, you know, the nice thing is you don't have to use it, you don't pay for it. And we usually have just lines of credit available to be able to use. And sometimes we'll do like a cash out refi, like when we do a really good burr, and then we'll be able to pay off whatever lines of credits that have money on them. That's how we've been able to scale like that. After the first one and a half, I would say, like we're one or two of them, we didn't really have to save our incomes to buy the next ones. We were just able to do the right renos or really become a market expert and really understand 
the values of the properties at that time to be able to buy quickly if there was something that was good and wait, you know, the ones that we, some of them we barely did any, bur- like any renos to and we refinanced like 12 months, 16 months later and we pulled out the down payment again, which is pretty cool just because of, you know, buying right at the right price at the right time quickly, et cetera. And that's just kind of how we've been able to do it. And all of them, you know, cash flow. And before I do my taxes, I call my mortgage broker and I say, Dahlia, you know, what do I need to, to put on my taxes? Do I, you know, how much income should I be putting? And maybe I'm put, I'm paying a little bit more in tax because I'm showing more income for, for the rentals, et cetera. But if that's going to allow me to not be capped, hey, why not? And there are some years that she's like, it doesn't matter. Just do what you need to do. And there are some years that are like, at least show this amount. And, and so that's what we've right. done, right? And it's just about working with your team as a whole. And then, you know, working with your mortgage broker to figure out which ones go into corporations and which ones don't. Because, you know, a nice thing with corporations is not all of them show up on your credit report. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> hint, 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 hint. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great information. Yeah. So your original strategy was single families. Now you're evolving and looking for multifamilies. Now, I understand that you do some public speaking and coaching. What prompted that move for you into that space kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, I mean, when I first started, I think I was just really struggling because I didn't even know of Canadian content or what Canadian content I could follow or where I could go or meetup groups or any of that stuff. And I really started learning by listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast and it is like I love the podcast because it is what got me started and really motivated and, and you know through the process but really ultimately like there's so many things that are different from the U.S. to Canada and because it was so Americanized a lot of things didn't apply right so when it comes to financing when it comes to taxes when it comes to legal stuff when it comes to house purchase purchases and you know that one percent rule or you know like when you think about a 1031 exchange when it comes to taxes like there's just so many things that are different that don't apply. And so I just really wanted to provide Canadian content and help others to, to be able to do what I'm doing because I'll tell you, it's not rocket science. I am not smarter than anybody else out there. I just have the ability to pull the trigger or to take action when I put my mind to something. And I think that's the big difference. Literally, I bought that first one and I, like I had listened to some podcasts, read a couple books, but I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's just see what happens. It's 130000 you know, even if it's 200, even if it's 250 nowadays, like, like it's, you know, take small risks at a time. You don't become wealthy, you know, overnight, but like, you're not going to also become wealthy if you don't take some risks at some point. Anyway, so I just like, I basically just want to give back. I think people can do it. And I think people just need that guidance to, to be able to just go ahead and take action with the right information. Very cool. So you kind of set them up for success like, Obviously, there's coaching calls and, and you kind of check in with them on a periodic basis. And, and is that kind of how yeah, that goes? Yeah, I, mean, I have different programs. I've got one that's online. That, um, they have access to me and then we have uh, online calls on Zoom. I've got a program that's more like one-on-one. So like literally, I will handhold the investor through everything. So like looking for properties together, making offers, like I'll you know review everything before the offers go in. Like I will go out to view properties with them. Literally from that to closing on a property to finding your first tenant, collecting your paycheck and everything in between. Because sometimes people just need to, you know, have somebody there to be able to guide them, use their, use their team, use their skill, use their knowledge. And, you know, so there's a, there, that one is usually like three to six months. And I just keep working with them until we find a deal. Because sometimes they take a little bit longer than, than other times. But, you know, that's the, the one-on-one coaching. And then I am 
I don't know when this is going to air, but I am going to do a Burr course that's going to be a mix of in the field, in the class, like a classroom setting type of uh, training and also on Zoom. And it's going to be over several weeks too. So lots of things they can go on my website, so sarahlarby.com. And sometimes I'll do like one-on-one, one-hour sessions too, if there's specific things that people need. Very cool. I wish you all the best in that. And that sounds that sounds cool. Actually, it sounds like genuine coaching. You're in this investing world, obviously. And I find that there's a lot of people that uh, call themselves coaches. And I don't know if they necessarily provide the services of a coach, but it sounds like what you're doing is is quite in-depth. Like you said, you're hand-holding right from start to finish. And the finish isn't when the deal's done. It's It's after you put tenants in. So that's really cool. I wish you all the best with that. Thank you. Well, to me, my reputation, my brand, and everything is more important than one deal. <laughs> so, right. you know, I, I always, you're, you're I so always right. put my students first. Like, And at this point, I don't think we, we are looking for the same deal because I'm looking for something bigger now at this point. But like, I will always put my students first. Like, If for whatever reason, there's like, an amazing deal like, and I'm working with somebody and they're looking in the same area, it is not going to me. I would never want to be that person that took their deal. No, smart. Smart. You're looking, again, big picture, mm-hmm. right? So good for you. Sarah, so you've been featured on a few publications, <laughs> including uh, the Canadian Real Estate Wealth Magazine, the Hamilton Spectator, and uh, the Toronto Star, among many others. From your perspective, what was it about you that people found so interesting? Like, put yourself, you know, not Sarah Larby. What is it that is so interesting or appealing about you that these publications kind of came to you? I really don't know. <laughs> No, you know, you know, it's, it's, I think I'm just a regular person that just put their mind to it and just done, went ahead and learned and just did it. Right. I, I don't, it's hard for me to say this is why, I don't know, maybe I'm younger and a woman, but I, I don't know, because there's a younger woman as well. So I feel like I'm just somebody out there that's just doing it, still doing it, started, you know, from nothing. <laughs> maybe that's why, I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say started from the bottom and now you're here, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I that. started from the bottom per se. I mean, I wasn't on the street <laughs> or anything like that, <laughs> but you know, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I it's a, it's a great question. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll come yeah. back to that next time. So obviously your investing world has grown, but you're, you're a busy girl. So how do you manage these properties you know, your coaching, your regular life, the cottage, the right club. How do you manage it all? Like there's only 24 hours in a day, right? Yeah, absolutely. So a few things I would say for that. So I, first of all, everything I'm doing real estate wise doesn't feel like work. It's amazing. And I love it. I would do this if I could all the time and for fun. But you know how I manage it? Here's the thing. I love to delegate. (laughs) So you know, when it comes to, I would say the managing piece, because I'll, I'll dissect each one. When it comes to the managing of the properties, I have my plumber, my electrician, my handyman on my phone. And all I got to know is how to send a text or make a phone call, send them and then e-transfer the money. And, uh, and that's how I'm managing the properties. So once obviously the tenants are in, I like to be hands-on and like pick my own tenants and, and all that stuff. But I would say afterwards, just managing doesn't take too long. It takes like two hours a month. The coaching, the mentoring, that part I would do all day long if I could. That is so much fun. Like I, I do not delegate that stuff because that to me is, is my favorite. But when it comes to 24 hours in date, here's what I do. For my podcast, my virtual assistant edits my podcast. 
I have somebody that does help, like my help, um, my website stuff, Paul Cupcut. He does a lot of my newsletters, kind of give them the content, et cetera. He puts it together. I hired a chef to do my grocery shopping, my cooking. <laughs> and all I have to do is just uh, take food out of the fridge. That's been really helpful. Hired cleaners for cleaning my house, gardeners for the garden. <laughs> so like all my house right. chores, I hired out. And then I wake up at four every day. I go to the gym at um, Orange Siri. They have like a five to feet in class. I love that. And, uh, you know, from eight to five, I'm at my job. And yeah, and that's it. And I just cut out things that for me didn't make me happy or more successful, like watching TV, listening to radio, like I'll listen to podcasts instead, that kind of stuff. So I don't know, just little, little cuts here and there give you a lot more time. For sure. Yeah. I think that's a, that was a good lesson in delegating <laughs> and uh, freeing up your time. So lesson learned from Sarah Larby. <laughs> so let's talk about the right club and what's going on with that. How did the right club come to fruition? And, you know, if you want to describe what the right club is for, for the listeners, that'd be great too. Yeah. So it is a community of real estate investors and those that are wanting to get into real estate investing. And so Right is Real Estate Investing Training and Education. So it's spelled R-E-I-T-E. So we do meetings every single month, except for the summers. We take uh, July and August off. And then we're also launching a whole online community for people that are not in Southern Ontario, that can't come to Burlington for our meetings. So they're going to have access to all this amazing stuff online. So we've actually been like working really hard this summer to, to put this all together. But this is going to be, I think, a great way to give back to everybody just across the whole country that may not have access to these clubs or these these things on a regular basis. So the club well, it got founded about two and a half years ago. Four of us came together and we said, you know, how do we bring something like this to the Burlington area and just really be able to provide knowledge and education without feeling like you're upselling. Like sometimes, you know, you go to these real estate things and you always feel like you're being sold. I, I can't stand, I can't stand yeah. that stuff. So we, we just wanted to be able to provide education and an opportunity for people to network with one another and, and be able to, you know, get ideas from each other. And, uh, and I think the success of the club is that it's not about, it's not about the four of us. It's about, the members that are coming and the people that come to network and to learn. And that really is our focus. And so we try to, you know, be on stage as little as possible and to give the opportunity to people that are probably much more experienced in different investing strategies or different things. Than, and we give them the stage to be able to educate those that are coming out every single month. Yeah. So I've been to three of them so far. And uh, awesome, awesome content. And the networking, like any networking event or any, you know, investing event, it's the networking is is the best part, honestly. Like you could have all the top speakers up there and they're great, but it's the people you're chatting with at the table or the table next to you, right? Mm -hmm. To me, almost the, the most valuable information or the most valuable connection more than the speaker themselves sometimes. Yeah, that's true. So I encourage I encourage people to check it out. It's uh, you guys are still hosting it at, uh, in Burlington at the, is it the holiday? Yeah. Inn? Burlington holiday Inn. And uh, if you go to the right club.com and in the calendar section, it'll tell you all of the dates for the next year. Awesome. Very cool. So you mentioned that the, uh, and actually I was just, I, I meant to ask you this, like, Two years ago, did you think that you would be part of a networking event that you are now trying to expand to a national stage? Did you ever think you'd be 
talking about that like two years ago? No. Three years no, ago? No, not at all. Is that crazy? <laughs> it is it is crazy, but you know, this is this is the the really awesome pieces. Like we don't we didn't even expect it to grow this big so quickly. And and so now right. like we we literally just hired a community manager Monday. But like we have like a wow. lot of like we have about thirteen people now on a part time basis as contractors working with us for us just because it's grown and there's so many moving parts and we just want to keep making it like the best we can. And uh, did I ever think it would be today what it is? No, but I think that, you know, there's four of us founders. I think that helps a lot because there's just different ideas that we might have that, you know, maybe I don't have and Alfonso or Laurel or Daniel has this awesome idea. We're like, okay, let's, let's do this for the club. And just, I think it just allows us to a, share the workload, split the workload, provide ideas. And I think that's part of success is that it's not just one person doing everything. It's, you know, four of us carrying it and, and just, you know, creating something from it. Very good. You could almost say it's a joint venture. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. Right? It is a joint venture. <laughs> that is probably the epitome of a joint venture. So that's awesome. So obviously the future for the right club is is very is very strong and it's very bright and and I'm I'm really happy to see that because I myself I really enjoy it and I've actually encouraged a few of my clients to go and check it out awesome. um, and they come back with rave reviews. So what's the future looking like for you and your future of investing? The future of investing, I mean, so right now I was talking to my mortgage broker and still with A lenders. <laughs> I still have the ability to do two more before I go into B lender. So I definitely want to do two more. A, before I leave my work. I'm not in a huge rush to leave because it is a great culture. But at some point, I need to go part-time to make a little bit more time for real estate regardless. But I do want to do two more properties first with the A lenders because as soon as you don't have a job anymore, it becomes a, a lot harder yeah. to get financing <laughs> yeah. with the best sure. with the best terms. So I, I definitely, that's you know the next step. Definitely want to get something bigger. And keep focusing on what I'm doing right now because I think I'm just like I'm really just starting. Like I, I only started investing in 2013. You know, I, I we've only started the club you know two and a half years ago. I think there's just tons of things that we can, you know, we can do with the club and the online community. And you know, if I could do that full time at one point and really grow the club across the country, like that's so cool. That's the dream. Very cool. Very cool. What do you do for work right now? Uh, I'm a sales manager and I manage distribution across the country and I have a handful of reps as well. Yeah. Oh, cool. And then that you'll have the ability to go part-time with that, I'm assuming? Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there probably will not be other people that are part-time except for me, but I, <laughs> I have a great manager and, uh, you know, I think if you, if you really work hard and you get things done and you do them well... I think there's opportunities that you can negotiate and that will be, I would prefer to do that than, than leave cold Turkey. That's I tell my clients that all the time. Everything is negotiable. Everything is negotiable. If if you deserve to be, to to be able to negotiate. Right. But if you're just checking the box and you're barely getting things done, (laughs) then then, then good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So awesome, Sarah. Uh, so we have a little bit of a fire round. I hope you're ready. It's pretty intense. <laughs> okay. Maybe have a glass of water, turn the air conditioner up. It's going to get hot <laughs> in here. So fire round. The fire round. Where do you see yourself in 12 months? In 12 months, I will probably be at the cottage for two straight months. Ooh. And are you talking 12 months from now? So next yeah. summer? 
July, July and August. I think I'm just going to, my goal is to live there for the two months and then front it the rest of the year without (laughs) July and August. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Where do you see the market in 12 months? Personally, I don't see it being much different than it is today. I don't think we'll get the 20% lift that we did back in 2016, 2017. And I don't have a crystal ball, but here's the thing. For me, if I buy stuff that cash flows, I don't really care what happens to the market. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and I am not over leveraged and I have access to equity that I've unlocked. Like, you know, always have a contingency plan, always have a backup plan and a plan B. But, you know, like whatever happens, happens. I don't know. Like I'm holding for long term anyways. <laughs> so 12 months, I don't <laughs> care. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. Sarah, who do you learn from? Other investors. I mean, there's tons of investors, and I will say it is really cool because when I first started, I learned from bigger pockets. Like they, they were my mentors that I didn't know that I was listening to. But now at the Right Club, I mean, there's like people that have like 30 years experience, 25 years of experience, tons of, you know, different strategies. That's who I learned from is, uh, is networking with those people. And I would say they've become, some of them have become my top five, right? You, you become like the top people that you hang out with the most. And, there's a, a few there that are just brilliant investors and, you know, hopefully one day I could be like that too. I'm sure you will. I'm, I'm confident in it. Sarah, read a book or listen to a podcast. Any, any in particular? Either one or the other. I would say I, I love reading when I'm on vacation. <laughs> I love listening to a podcast when I'm driving. Um, you know what podcast I like right now is Smart Passive Income by Pat Flynn. Oh, okay. Gotcha. If you could do one thing differently in the last year, what would it be? What it would have been? Differently? Hmm. Yeah. I gotta think about that one. I mean, there's probably tons of things I would do different. Oh, you know what I would do differently? I would hire a bookkeeper because I hate paperwork and I'm horrible at it. <laughs> but um, right. I'm still, I'm still working with. So I'm working with my accountant on that, and he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna help me because I'm a lost cause. But I, uh, I need a bookkeeper that is the uh, here like all the time <laughs> i feel like so i you need another assistant that is a bookkeeper yeah so i definitely need to change that a little bit that is that is probably one of my biggest weaknesses right now is paperwork wise i'm just yeah it just oh my god i would rather go to the dentist so to make light of that <laughs> we moved into our new house yeah in the peak of tax season and so i'm looking for boxes of receipts for properties and i can't find anything (laughs) and i didn't have a desk and we were doing so many renovations so i i put up three sawhorses and a sheet of plywood (laughs) and i just started going through boxes and i am still sitting at that sheet of plywood because we haven't got to the basement yet we haven't got to the renovations (laughs) down here yet so it's actually a pretty cool workspace but it looks a little ghetto but it's okay we'll get through it (laughs) What is a valuable piece of information you take with you and that you'd like to share with other listeners? A valuable piece of information would probably be the two apps that I use for analyzing cash flow. And we talked about it on my podcast, but I'm going to talk about it on yours. Yes, let's do <laughs> and it. And I would say if you guys have an iPhone, and I'm sorry if you don't, I don't know what the apps would be for Androids, but one is called Evaluator, one is called Mortgage. There are like two free apps that you can download. And that's how I calculate a lot of my financials on property. The evaluator is a little bit more complex. You can add more. So when I've got like a multifamily type of property, I'll use that one. And then for mortgage, 
I'll use that for a lot of the single families. And then we're like the expense tab is I'll just add my um, CapEx costs, my maintenance costs, insurance, et cetera, like in there. But it's really good because then you can analyze like without having to turn on your computer and uh, or do math. <laughs> Literally, it does yeah, it all yeah, for no. you. I like how portable it is. Like you can do it at the property. It's not like you got to go home to the laptop, pull up the spreadsheet, you know, that took you three hours to make. <laughs> exactly. You just punch it in right there. And if it makes sense, then go for That's it. That's it. Awesome. Well, that is, I hope you made it out unscathed, Sarah. <laughs> I really appreciate uh, you really uh, grinning down and bearing through on this one. So thank you very much for that. And that actually is the, the last of the questions. So yeah. So thanks very much for taking the time. I know you're busy and I'm thankful that you did not delegate this podcast to somebody else <laughs> to nice. do for you. So I really appreciate you uh, making the appearance. Oh, my pleasure. These, you know, there's some things you can delegate and there's some things that you should not delegate. This is definitely yeah. one of them. So yeah. super happy well, to be on the show and thanks for having me. Thanks very much, Sarah. I appreciate it. And uh, all the best to you guys in the Right Club. And uh, I encourage everybody listening to go and check out the, uh, is it, so is it Right Club dot? The Right Club dot com rightclub.com yeah. check it out and check out the dates i highly encourage you guys checking it out they are awesome networking events and maybe you'll see sarah maybe you'll see me maybe you'll yeah, see and yourself. brian for your listeners as well if anybody wants to come that has not been out reach out to brian guys and uh, brian will add you to my free guest list so anybody that has not come out yet uh, can come for free for the first time awesome great incentive great incentive awesome sarah thanks so much for uh, taking the time and yeah we'll see you soon all right sounds good see you soon all right Take care. Bye-bye. From the Real Estate Investors Lounge, thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our website at www.reilounge.ca for more episodes and information.